BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Celebrate the Chicago Reader. Join us to see the Reader come to life at our second annual On Gala, Wednesday, October 18th, at the stunning Epiphany Center for the Arts. We'll have Reader-approved entertainment, including Grammy Award-winning Peter Cottontail and local rockers, the Trenchies, DJs, live art, and other performances. Rumor has it that Monroe Anderson will be there. More details are at chicagoreader.com slash on gala. That's chicagoreader.com slash on a gala. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Wednesday, October 11th starts now. On today's show, it's Wednesday, so Monroe Anderson's back for another Monroe Wednesdays, talking the news with Ben, and so much more. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, anything you want to know in Chicago, about Chicago, or from Chicago, you need to check out ChicagoReader.com. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, simply head to chicagoreader.com and then hit forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Calling this Secret Text Wednesday, and here's why. Actually, Secret Texture Wednesday, and here's why. So it was all uh, set to begin the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, going to talk about all the issues of the day, including uh, what's going on, the war uh, in the Middle East, uh, the Republican search uh, for a new speaker, um, the death of Kevin Phillips. Uh, I know you guys don't even know. Most of you might have no idea what I'm talking about. That's a fascinating bit in its own uh, I mean, he's a fascinating piece of history in his own. Uh, and then uh, my sudden realization that Donald Trump may not be the, um, the Republican nominee. I just I had this realization last night. And then I got a text bringing me back uh, to where I live in the city of Chicago. And the text uh, comes from someone who will remain anonymous. Okay, I protect. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm protecting the confidentiality of uh, my sources. I'll just say this person's uh, initials are SDG. Oops, that may have given it away. Uh, SDG, I see you, thank you very much. SDG was one of several people who sent me uh, text this morning proclaiming jubilation, Ben. Give Mayor Brandon Johnson credit. So uh, the credit that I'm supposed to give Mayor Brandon Johnson is that he is presenting his budget uh, to the city council today as I speak, as I record this show with the great Monroe Anderson, uh, Mayor Brainerd Johnson uh, is giving his budget address, his first budget address, and he's announcing, among other things, uh, and this is what my texters have sent me, because <laughs> I think they, have they stereotyped me uh, <laughs> as to what will ring my chimes, as they say? Uh, so uh, this secret... Uh, texter who's really no longer that secret, if you can figure out what SGG, SG, SDG stands for, uh, sent me a link uh, to an article that says, quote, 
Johnson is also declaring the city's large city's largest ever TIF surplus of 434 million, which will redirect money back to the various taxing authorities it would have flowed to if the TIF district was not in place. That maneuver will send over 200 million to the public schools, with the city receiving roughly 24% of the surplus. End of quote. That those two paragraphs tell you exactly why the TIF program is so popular with mayors in the city of Chicago, because there is virtually no one in the city of Chicago who could tell you what that means. I think the number of people who understand how the TIF program works, I mean, really works, is maybe 100. And there's over 2 million people in the city of Chicago. Meanwhile, the TIFs kick in, I don't know, over a billion dollars a year in property tax dollars. And so the people who run the budget for the mayor, who helped the mayor prepare his budget, I think they all know how TIFs work. I'm going to give them credit. They all know how TIFs work. So they realize that this is the most painless way to get people to pay more property taxes. And they go, Mayor Johnson, do absolutely anything you want. Say anything you want. Don't touch the TIFs. Just leave them there. They're going to keep generating more money. The only guy who's ever going to talk about it is that weirdo guy for the reader. He's up in an attic talking into a microphone, overlooking his alley. No one's going to be listening. <laughs> you get, you watch. The Main Street Press will write the following. <laughs> I'm going to read it again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Johnson is declaring the largest ever TIF surplus of $434 million, which will redirect money back to the various taxing authorities if it would have flowed to if the TIF district was were not in place. Nobody knows what the hell that means. <laughs> guarantee you. I mean, guarantee you nobody knows what that means. <laughs> I, do, I do. Oh, yeah. Monroe <laughs> By the way, Monroe Anderson should know what it means. He was a press secretary for Eugene Sawyer. Right. Well, that was like before Daly really figured out the total scam of the TIF. Yeah. Uh, two words. What's that? Flush fund. Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> here, here, it's like, I'm laughing. I'm like, all these lefties are sending me this stuff. Man, he did it. He did what you wanted. Oh God. Yeah, you know what? If you're gonna have a slush fund, put it to good use. That's my. I, I'm with. I'm with Monroe on that one. It is a slush fund. That's all you need to know, Lazer. It's a slush fund. So if you're gonna have a slush fund, put it to good use. And I say spending it on things like parks and schools, fire and police and teachers and healthcare and all that good stuff is better than spending it on Lincoln Yards. I think that's just just one-on-one at TIFFs, ladies and gentlemen. Now, go back to whatever you're doing. I don't want to overburden you. I don't want to weigh you down with how things work because it's too confusing and life is complicated enough. But the second funniest thing about this is that my secret source sent me a link to an article in Cranes. I don't have access to Cranes. There's a paywall at Cranes. I got a whole issue with this. Paywall at Cranes is like Dikembe Mutombo. Uh-oh, sports reference. Lefty's minds are blown. It's sports. I don't know. Ben, help me. Dikembe Mutombo was one of the great shot blockers of all time. Shot blocker. Basketball. Tall guy who played center with long arms. And when the other teams shot the ball, he blocked it. Hence the name Shot Blocker. See, lefties, you learn stuff about sports by listening to my show that you would not have known. So he's a great. So this is, uh, you know, the Cranes, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're, they have uh, their own Dikembe Mutombo, a paywall. So every time I go to try to read a, a 
Crane's article, here comes their paywall. Black anyway, someone, no name, I am not going to give away this source, sent me uh, a way to get around the paywall. I'm not saying anything else. I'm not going to. You, I'm not going to give away this secret. So I got to read the article. How about that? I got to read the Crane's article. And uh, by the way, Brandon Johnson really is learning how to play the game, uh, Monroe. So his speech, he's giving a speech today to the Chicago City Council. Before he issued the speech, he delivered secretly to all his favorite reporters, like, like the details. So they could write articles. You get what I'm saying, Monroe? You know how to play that game, Monroe. You did that yourself back in 1989 or 87, excuse me, 88, when you were press secretary. Gene, so you call up your favorite. Hey, Harry Golden, I got something for you sometimes. Don't tell anybody. I'm giving this to you here. <laughs> Here's the details on the budget. And Golden would write up a story. People go, how is Golden able to get the budget? I'm like, I know how. Monroe gave it to him. That's how. <laughs> right, Monroe? Uh, yeah, except I didn't give it to every. I I did it selectively. What you, what you did was you rewarded the reporter who had done the best stuff for you of, of late, <laughs> and the rest of them screw them. <laughs> they have to wait their turn. <laughs> you, and you know who has never gotten any handout from anyone at City Hall? Me. <laughs> what does that say, Monroe? <laughs> I've never got a handout my whole life. Never once. Okay. Because you didn't ask. <laughs> Come on. No, you yes, actually you did. You you had um Mayor Johnson on your 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 uh, weekly monthly show. Yes, he and, yes. and you and you got an hour where the rest of them only got 15 minutes. I know some of them. No, did they even get that? Oh, they were yeah. crying to me about it too. Right. Woo-hoo. Right. Oh, so man, you, you get more time. So you got, you got your turn. Don't, <laughs> don't dismiss that so quickly, so easily. You know how hard I had to work to get them to come there? Oh, right. my God. Call right. it begging, pleading. <laughs> oh, fine. All right, Ben. Just right. stop calling us already. We'll, we'll bring them over. Right, right. Yeah, no, get, uh, get, get, that was to make you feel even more grateful that you got it. Yeah. So that. Uh, <laughs> So next time you might not have to work as hard and you can get them again. I don't know, man. I think I'm on the no get invite list because I blasted their dumb tent city plan, which has got to be the dumbest idea. Uh, we have a city of Chicago where there's something called winter. Here's our idea. We're going to put them in tents. We're going to put the immigrants in tents. Hello, city of Chicago, winter. Ever heard of it? Sorry, Monroe. I didn't mean to go on that. T- anyway, so... um well, I'm sure you're happy NASCAR is coming back. <laughs> that is so funny. Brought NASCAR back. You know what? Brandon Johnson really is learning how to play the game. Yeah, right. I mean, he really is learning how to play the game. We'll give it's like the business community, the Chamber of Commerce types, they like NASCAR. We'll give them NASCAR, okay? <laughs> well, thank you, Mayor. You know, they kind of, and it, you notice they like soften the rhetoric a little bit when they raise the um, the minimum wage on uh, tip workers at restaurants. You know what I'm saying, Monroe? A little softer rhetoric for the business community. That's how the game works. Give them NASCAR. And, you know, they're crying, but they're not crying as loud. Do you follow what I'm saying, Monroe? Right. You know, so uh, right, Brandon Johnson, these guys really learning how to play the game. Uh, so I'm now, uh, Monroe, this is going to, I will now read to you uh, uh, from Cranes. 
And it's the first time I've read a Cranes article in a long time. Cranes is, uh, for people who don't know, is essentially the voice of the business community in the city of Chicago. And uh, ha- as such, has a very business-centric worldview. So it's like, bottom line is all we care about. Uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> don't talk to us about poverty. Bottom line, okay? Uh so they too, here's one, they they uh they too jump into uh the, they're the ones who are I read the TIF story. Uh, Johnson is also declaring the city largest TIF surplus of four hundred and thirty-four million, which will redirect money back to the various taxing authorities. It would have flowed to if the districts is, districts were not in place. Good luck, Chicago. I guarantee you 90% of you have no idea what that means. <laughs> I just throw it out there. Um the maneuver will send over $200 million to the public schools, with the city receiving 24% of the surplus. The surplus has developers and members of the city council wondering whether the city, city is still committed to projects prioritized by former Lightfoot, including Invest Southwest, and a plan to revitalize the South Street Quarter. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. South Southwest was a joke. A J-O-K-E. Joke. It was a marketing plan. It was not a legitimate economic development plan. A legitimate economic development plan would be dependent on TIFs. And guess what? They all they mainly go to the wealthiest gentrifying communities uh, in the loop, in the south loop, the west loop, the north side. They do not go to the south and west sides. They're not going to Austin. So stop throwing that southwest plan up. Come on, can we just drop that cranes? Can we just not mention it anymore? What else, Monroe? All right, here we go. Uh, Monroe, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, while the mayor's office has yet to release top line numbers for each department, it does not appear Johnson will change the $1.9 billion budget of the police department after promising not to take one cent from the department amid campaign criticism of past comments supportive of the defund the police movement. Johnson is announcing Wednesday that the city has promoted 70 Chicago police officers to the detective ranks and will create 100 detective positions available in 2024, moving the city closer to Johnson's pledge to hire 200 more detectives to help close the city's abysmal homicide clearance rate. Monroe, I know, I believe you stand with me when I say, hooray. We need more detectives. I mean, they're right. the ones who solve the freaking crimes in the right. city, Monroe. Right? right? Do you agree with me on that? Yes. So, and, go ahead. And, hope, and hopefully, more of them will be black, because right. it's 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 been a white man's uh, place because it's it's a power job. And so, um, most of, when I was there, most of the detectives were white. Maybe that's changed. It's but, changed a bit. It's changed, yeah. but it, uh, because, because in order for them to get these shooters in the black community, they need somebody who knows the community and has connections. And can get them to talk. Yeah. Uh, although I will push back and say a really great detective, a really good detective, yeah. Colombo, can can get the job done. Does right. Colombo really yeah. exist in the world, Monroe? Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and Donald Trump can um, make your business <laughs> right. <laughs> it's uh, it's TV. So, but, but Monroe, yes, you knew that he was not going to be a defund the police mayor. See, this is once again, Brandon Johnson. Oh, I have to say this in a way uh, it, uh, <laughs> that will not upset my core audience. Brandon Johnson is a very sophisticated politician, Monroe. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And he, he was not about to embrace defund the defund movement. 
Right. Nobody who well, embraced God. defund the police was a fool to begin with. That's 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 the quickest way not to win an election because the police have the best PR uh, force in the nation, and that's Hollywood. You have all these cop shows on TV, and this goes way back. This is new, and they all are wonderful. And they all come to do good for America. And so people, Americans, have been brainwashed into thinking that um, all cops are good except for occasional uh, bad apple or something. And um, that all the poor people, basically, are bad. And, and, and to that point, have you noticed how many rappers are play police officers on on uh, police shows? Right, right. I, you know what I'm saying? That's part of the PR. I said, yeah, because I I can remember. I'm old enough to remember when um, a certain rapper had um, f the police and yes. was uh, and, and and was um, suggesting that they they shoot you shoot them. Uh, and didn't that certain rapper sort of endorse Trump in this last go around? I want to say kind of, sort of. The uh, I think you're talking about Ice Cube. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, and then, but uh, I saw an interview with another rapper, Ice T. He, he plays a police officer or some TV but show. He, he's the one who did the cop killer song. He he came out with the the one where you're supposed to where he's bragging about you, we should be killing cops. Okay, you know what? Yeah. Uh, Two old geezers should not be talking about hip hop music. I'm just going to put it into this conversation right now because I know really nothing about hip hop. Uh, I'm not particularly proud of that. It's just a reality. And Monroe, you know a little more than me, but not much more. Okay, yeah. so let's, yeah. just, let's just stop talking about hip hop because we're just uh, hip hop because we're embarrassing ourselves. Uh, but um, all right, here we. Uh, and the the reality is the political reality is as you pointed out uh, that. It, there's not a strong, to put it mildly, I'm doing this euphemistically as I can, movement in this city to defund the police, to put it mildly. Uh, Brandon Johnson saw that. Brandon Johnson moved away from the rhetoric of the defund the police movement really quickly in the campaign. Uh, and his first budget shows that he didn't want anything to do with it. And so um, that uh, is just a sign, I think, of political realities uh, in the city of Chicago. And finally, there's this point, which I found encouraging. Uh, and will delight a listener of mine uh, whose first name is Matt. Uh, and uh, Johnson plans, this is again from the Cranes article, Johnson plans to open two pilot public mental health clinics within existing Chicago Department of Public Health facilities in 2024, while a working group created last month studies how to implement the treatment not trauma proposal that would op reopen the city's 14 clinics shuttered by Mayor Rahm Emanuel. I don't think it was 14, but whatever. Uh, by opening uh, two clinics, Johnson is aiming to show he's moving the direction of investing in public uh, mental health, a point of contention between the new mayor and the former public health commissioner, Dr. Allison Awardy, whom Johnson fired in August. <clears throat> hey, they just had to throw Dr. Awardy. Man, mainstream press loves Dr. Awardy. Uh, I'm with you, uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson, 100% on that one. Monroe, get your thoughts on it. Uh, people are losing their minds. We're going to talk a little bit about the Middle East in a little while. People are losing their minds. 
Uh, and the absolute dumbest thing that Mayor Rahm did, well, there's so many candidates, but I, I'm going to put this up there, uh, was closing mental health clinics, taking the city in a different direction, showing a callousness uh, to the suffering, mental suffering that people are having, particularly in low-income, high-crime areas. Uh, and um, there's so many ways that the centrists who support Romp try to talk their way out of this. They try to tell you they're actually increasing mental health services, even though they cut mental health services. Uh, they could talk, they could throw papers at you and statistics at you, but they know they're trying to sell you like they're trying to sell you a bridge in Arizona. They know it's really not true when they're saying it. So uh, it was a shame. Uh, it was for the city that Mayor Rahm took us in that direction. It was an embarrassment that the city council approved it 50 to nothing. So I take this as a healthy sign that uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson is uh, taking steps to reopen the clinics. Your thoughts, Monroe Anderson? Well, my, my thoughts are that they treated her like she was Dr. Fauci. Fauci, yeah, Fauci, yes, she wasn't. She, 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 she didn't um, solve any um, bacteria or, or crisis, health crisis or anything. She just did a job and that was it. She, she was mayor. I, I'm not, you know what? Some of my listeners get so mad with me when I criticize her, but she was a very loyal commissioner to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Right. That was what she was, a very loyal commissioner to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. As such, she probably should have left on her own as soon as Mayor Lori Lightfoot left office. That and allow Brandon yeah, Johnson to appoint who he thing. wants. That would have been a smart thing to do. Since he announced, since he, since he part of his campaign promise was to fire her. Yes. So. <laughs> he stuck around making him do it. And then yeah, right. he did it. She got everybody in the media crying. Oh my God. Oh no. How will this city operate? Oh, <laughs> oh God, mainstream media. Anyway, good job overall, I want to say, uh, to uh, Cranes uh, on their encapsulation of um, uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson's budget. I'll probably uh, take a deeper dive tomorrow when I get to read uh, more of the details. Uh, And uh, he's going to, like I said, he's giving his budget address uh, today. All right, Monroe, let's move on. A lot to discuss today. Before Uh, we move on, I just want to make a point. Mm -hmm. Ice T's had one song called Cop Killer and okay. another called Body Count. And they were very controversial. They, they were banned or what have you back in the day. Wait, come on. Are you, did you look it up? I, I, knew, I knew Cop Killer. I'd forgotten about Body, body Count. Okay. Um, wow. I, I got to give you credit. Hold on. I'm, see, this. I'm just exposing my utter ignorance. It's embarrassing how little I know about one of the most popular... Um, just forms of genres of music in the world. One of the most popular and influential. I'm just exposing my ignorance. I can't even yeah. pretend. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Another secret. It's 50 years old. No, I know. <laughs> oh, but okay, no, okay that's it. it. You weren't following it in 1973. Okay, so let's just be honest. In 1973, I know what you were listening to. I did not know you then. I didn't meet you for another eight years. But 1973, was, you were listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. You you were listening to uh, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Oh yeah. Well, anybody with a brain was listening to Stevie Wonder. <laughs> he's the greatest of all time. Uh, and like Casey. Uh, no, uh, the Cool in the Gang. Uh, yeah. And um, 
George Clinton. You were probably a huge George Clinton fan back in the day. Uh, tail end of Sly and the Family Stone. Huge Sly and the Family Stone. Am I right about this? Yeah, and, 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 and Minnie Ripperton. Oh, man. <laughs> Love Minnie Ripperton. Why'd you have to say that, Monroe? You knew that was going to trigger a response in me. <laughs> I love Minnie Ripperton. She died of cancer so young, but what right. a talent. From, right from here in Chicago, Minnie Ripperton. So they, that's who you were listening to. You were not listening to, like, the first strands of hip-hop that were coming out of the Bronx, okay? You were... No, no. But but I was, by 85, listening to her a little bit. That's true. Not, yeah. Well, you know, and, and um, because it was it was it was growing, we had a lot going on by then. But yeah, anyway, you, that, you could just I just you know the thing is I remember it being such a controversy, cop killer. They did you know they there was a movement against it. They they were trying to uh, ice him, and you know and I was thinking, well, well that's pretty ballsy. <laughs> Because I also remember what happened to a certain uh, Black Panther in Chicago in, in 69 who who didn't even say cop killer. He just called them pigs. Yeah. And you he was fascinated. All right. I'm moving on uh, from a discussion of rap, uh, which I am so ill-equipped to discuss that I just make myself look foolish. And... Uh, I will move on to another topic, which I am also really ill-equipped to discuss because I can't understand uh, just utter madness uh, that exists in the world now. I talked a little bit about this yesterday, uh, and today it just, uh, the madness mounts. So over the weekend, oh, well, I guess it's a thousand people were slaughtered in Israel uh, by Hamas um, terrorists, militiamen, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they jumped, uh, they got over the wall, which was an illusion uh, of protection and safety for uh, people in Israel and uh, slaughter, just mass slaughter, just gunned down whoever was in front of them, kidnapped like about 100 people, took them over another hostage. Utter madness. I don't see how any, there's any justification in the world for it. And uh, Israel is now following up with more madness. Uh, as I speak, Monroe, uh, I haven't seen any updates on this. I Israel has um, got uh, thousands and thousands of soldiers uh, getting ready to invade Gaza, which is a little strip uh, between Israel and Egypt. And uh, Monroe, for the life of me, I know it's easy for me to say, I said this to you already, it's really easy for me to say, make these proclamations from the safety of my home here in Chicago. Uh, and I do not have relatives either in Gaza or in Israel. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure I know anybody in Gaza or Israel. But, like, how is this invading Gaza going to help anybody? And I think about this, Monroe. I think about, I've been reading articles like, this is, Israel wants people in the United States to understand the torment and pain they're feeling now. This is our 9-11. And if that's case, I think proportionally more people, by the way, died in, in the, uh, uh, the slaughter over this weekend than died in the United States at 9-11. Uh, proportionally. You know, more people died in 9-11 attacks than in the over the weekend. But um, if that is true, then Israel is making the same mistake, in my humble opinion, Monroe, that the yeah. United States made in response 
uh, to 9-11. The United States responded to 9-11 by bombing uh, and then sending troops into Afghanistan and then bombing and sending troops into Iraq. Iraq had absolutely nothing to do with it uh, at all. And uh, uh, What it had to do with it is that Saddam had put out a contract on Bush's daddy. So it was just an excuse right. uh, to, to write some. And so to me, this is just on an ex- exaggerated, extreme example, and a hugely exaggerated, extreme example of retaliatory culture. I talk about it all the time on this show in relation to murders in Chicago. And I'm watching this unfold in the Middle East. You know how many thousands of people will die when Israel invades Gaza on both sides, on both sides? For yeah. what? What will happen? What will Israel achieve that will make their a safer country? I don't think they'll achieve anything that will make them a safer uh, country, Monroe. They'll just feed an urge for retaliation, just like the United States didn't make itself a safer country by invading Iraq. It just fed an urge for retaliation. It's madness monroe i i can't understand and again i know it's easy for me to say this because i didn't lose anybody uh nobody one of my family or friends were killed in israel or in gaza i don't have family or friends in either place but so maybe that being an outsider enables me to see some things in a different vantage point like i don't see how retaliation works in any Going back to Romeo and Juliet, Monroe, you know what I'm saying? Where they ended up killing Romeo and Juliet in the name of saving their pride of their families and their sticking to their feud. I don't know. Help me. You're a little older and wiser than I am. Do you can you think of an example where retaliation, uh, retaliatory practices have benefited people and led to peace? I uh, know, you know, and I'm reminded um, back when I was a, a, a real militant back in college, this movie came out, Revolution in Guinea, and it was an underground movie, but it was very popular among we radicals back then. That's that. I was at us, rad, us radicals. Anyway, it was popular. And there was this one line in there where De Gaulle was criticizing the revolutionaries for uh, having bombs in baby strollers and and rolling them into places and blowing people up that way. And the revolutionary says, well, you give us your airplanes and I'll let you have strollers. That's not an exact quote, but that's the idea. Uh, Oppressed people will definitely find a way to strike back. And unfortunately, um, nobody uh, is playing fair in this. The, the, um, the Israelis have basically um, placed um, the Palestinians in, in an apartheid situation. And um, and, and as, as a result, um, a terrorist group has become popular there. It's, you know, I think of it as comparable to here where uh, there's a certain population that, that um, likes Trump 
And so they will follow him anywhere and it's not good. That's that's what's happened with a, a lot of the people in, in um, the Arab world. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I so know Rome, I- Rome for a long time, ancient Rome, not, not the one now, but ancient Rome, uh, for a long time, had this practice of if you if you harmed one hair on a Roman citizen, they went in and, and wiped out the entire town. They killed town. They killed everybody, mm. and they were feared as a result of that. It worked for some time, but it didn't work forever. So, it no, I I um. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Neil Steinberg at the Sun Times. He wrote a uh, very powerful column today. Uh, I urge everybody to read. I can't do justice to the entire column uh, with one, um, unless I read the whole column. I'll just read the closing paragraph. Uh, Quote, how does this end? That's a silly question. This never ends. Not anytime soon in any way anyone can imagine it just keeps going and going and going over and over each side talks past each other kills each other then mourns their own and buries their own and starts it all over again our job is to watch in horror and um you know you said this to me before you want to uh on the mic it's like at times like this, when the retaliatory culture takes over, you can't find voices of peace because everybody's swept up in the, the like the compulsion to have war, to wage war, to gain vengeance, then to gain vengeance on the acts that were intended to gain vengeance, and on and on and on. And so I don't see a way out. I'm with Neil Steinberg in this. I don't see a way out right now. Um, I think people... Like I saw this on the left here with some of the protests of, of supporting Hamas. Like people are just completely blind to the death and the pain of Israelis uh, who their relatives were slaughtered. And then similarly, people are just blind and indifferent to the suffering of Palestinians who are uh, confined to Gaza. So I don't even know why I talk about it, Monroe. It's it's just so um, heartbreaking on a level because it just, like, in Chicago, it does seem like there's some solutions to things in some venues, you know, like, but this one just seems utterly hopeless. Uh, so I don't know, retaliatory culture, do I, I'm glad that we at least agree on that, Monroe. Utter madness. Yeah, we're, well, we're we're in Old Testament times. Yeah. That's the problem. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Uh, unfortunately, that philosophy leads uh, leads to the blind um, and um, the people who who everybody. Well, let me do this again. It leads to everybody being blind and having a diet of oatmeal and applesauce. Yeah, toothless. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and the, the last great, great American uh, who um, 
prophesize, turning the other cheek and forgiving uh, and, and uh, dealing with each other with love and harmony was the great uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And we saw how America treated him. Right. So I guess we shouldn't uh, feel too self-righteous here uh, in the United States of America. All right, uh, Monroe, let's move on to the realities of politics in the United States of America. Uh, your favorite party uh, is uh, at it right now. Uh, they're trying to um, uh, replace Kevin McCarthy uh, as Speaker of the House. <laughs> Uh, they are the break, the latest news, and I'm reading this from the Washington Post, is the House recesses without voting on Stephen, Congressman Steve Scalise as speaker. Unclear when lawmakers will reconvene. Uh, so the um, uh, the Republican Party uh, voted in caucus to nominate uh, Representative Steve Scalise from Louisiana, Congressman Steve Scalise, to uh, replace Kevin McCarthy uh, as Speaker of the House. It was a divided vote, heated debate. Um, and uh, Matt Gates, the, uh, the Republican uh, from Florida who started this mess by um, objecting to Kevin McCarthy and forcing a vote on Kevin McCarthy, uh, threw in his lot with Steve Scalise. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and uh, I just see this latest that uh, uh, Jim Jordan, the defeated uh, congressman from Ohio, has said he will support Scalise. But that does not mean necessarily, uh, Monroe, that Steve Scalise will emerge uh, as a speaker because the Democrats get to vote on this thing, too. Uh, and the full House will meet and Democrats and Republicans will vote on Scalise's uh, nomination. So what's your sense of where this is all going? Uh, I'm quite pleased what's going on. To quote um, the greatest Republican of all time, a house divided will not stand. <laughs> but, uh, well, as, as you know, first of all, um, Kevin almost started to, to initially was going to run again he, yeah. he seek the, the um, post again but then one of the late night comedians did this whole parody on it saying uh, vote for for Kevin because he did these good things that vote for Kevin because he did these terrible things <laughs> and it was such an effective parody that um, Kevin said well I don't think I'll run it after all however at least one Republican said that he's going to vote for Kevin again anyway. So that's one vote that Scalise won't be getting. Wait, uh, this Republican said he's going to vote on the floor yes, for Kevin McCarthy? Yes, I missed yes. that. He was out of Florida. I, somebody I, whose name I didn't remember, but he, he, he's the Floridian. <laughs> so, and then, uh, and then um, some of the uh, Joiner people say they're going to vote for Joiner. Period. Jordan. So we'll see. It, it doesn't. I I think we we we're gonna we're not gonna have history repeating itself, just rhyming with it. In that. So they, in other words, it may not take. It took fifteen right. rounds of voting uh, right. the first time or to elect Kevin right. McCarthy. So it may may just take thirteen this time. We'll see. <laughs> we we've got some interesting days again. Yeah. 
So one thing that's not in the offing, speaking of the guy who's always looking for peace, wherever we can find it, uh, is uh, the 18 Republicans uh, who represent districts that went for Joe Biden, uh, calling up Hakeem Jeffries, the the uh, speaker, the uh, excuse me, the uh, minority speaker, the uh, who were the head of the Democrats in the uh, Congress, uh, to say, "Hey, let's cut a deal. Let's let's elect one of us speaker." Uh, that doesn't seem to be anywhere near a reality. Correct, Monroe? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. Well, it's it's remote because what we have coming up in a very short time, is the budget again. And uh, we're going to really be in bad shape. I mean, this this is the problem for the Republicans. We have, we have the budget they have to get, get done. Uh, we have money to Ukraine that needs to get done. And we have money to Israel. Uh, and weapons of Israel that needs to be done. And only the House can do it. But the House cannot do it without a leader. None of it counts. Uh, an acting speaker cannot even bring it to the floor to get voted on. And so if nothing gets done, it's going to be really, really bad. But to do something, they, uh, the Republicans are going to have to do things that they don't want to do. So, in other words, uh, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you mean the Republicans are going to do? Will have to do something they don't want to do. What is it that they don't want to do? Oh, they will. They, they will have to pass the 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 budget so that we don't go into default. Default. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to uh, give both um, Israel and Ukraine money. Uh, they don't mind giving it to to, to Israel, but um, they're going to have to get their acts together to do it, and they don't want to get their act together at all. Yeah. Uh, they 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 love um, being on Fox, and they love fundraising, but they don't really have much of an interest in governing. No, that is uh, absolutely for certain. And so uh, we'll see how this one unfolds. Uh, I I think it's going to be very, I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine Democrats coming to the aid of Steve Scalise on this one. Uh, and so if you recall, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Kevin McCarthy was uh, stripped of his speakership uh, by a vote that took eight Republicans, uh, eight Maverick Republicans. That's a bad use of the, that. That hurts that word, Maverick. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, eight all wacko Republicans. <laughs> eight of the wackiest of the wackos, uh, and all the Democrats. And we talked about this at length uh, with David Ferris. Uh, the Democrats decided there was just no sense. Uh, in following Kevin McCarthy again, he broke his promises. Uh, he played uh, the, the game like going on the talk shows and vilifying uh, d- uh, Democrats. Uh, he uh, barely had control of his Republican caucus, so there was there was no point uh, in an alliance with him. 
so I can't see any more, much more of a point with an alliance with Scalise. This is the man, uh, as Monroe knows, who uh, said many, many years ago, he comes from Louisiana, uh, that I am David Duke without the baggage. And David Duke, of course, uh, is the head of the KKK, who uh, came very close to being the governor of Louisiana. The good people of Louisiana almost elected him governor. Remember that one, Monroe? Uh, back in the late 80s and um so it's extremely uh racist uh to put it mildly anti-semitic person if you want to get a sense of who he is and what he's like you should uh watch spike lee's movie the black uh clansman you ever see that movie uh monroe black clansman yeah really good like and um david duke is a character in that movie so scalise said i'm david duke without the baggage i can't see Democrats saving his speakership. You agree with me on that? Yeah, I I, I don't see that either. Uh, we'll see, but one tactic that the Democrats could use is to run their guy and vote for him instead of voting against something else, but just vote for their guy who won't win because he won't get down enough Democrats and no Republicans would dare well, okay, so I'll throw this at you, which probably will never happen. Yeah. But in uh, the rules of the House, the number of votes you need to be elected speaker falls uh, if enough people vote present, because that re- it's reduces yeah. the number of total uh, votes proportionally that you have to get. So that's part of the games uh, in the House. So is it possible that... They will reach an agreement with Hakeem Jeffries where Republicans won't vote for Jeffries, but they'll vote present, which will lower the threshold that Hakeem Jeffries needs to be elected House and if Speaker. And if all the Democrats side with Jeffries, guess what? Yeah. He's Speaker of the House. Your yeah. thoughts on that one, Monroe? I, I, um, I doubt if that would happen, but that is a possibility. We'll see if any of those 18... Republicans who uh, who come from districts that Biden won are patriotic enough to do that because they, well because they they really are just screwed uh, because they're in, in a in a a district where Democrats rule then they're going to lose their jobs yeah. and. If they go with the crazy Republicans, they're going to lose their jobs. So, in other words, they're going to lose their jobs. Period. Yeah. And they should they should do the patriotic thing, yeah. which would be to vote president. They if they actually vote for a Democrat, then their life in Republic world is over. Republican world is over forever. They they won't be able to get elected dog catcher again. But if they voted present mm-hmm. uh, and um, Jeffrey just happened to win, <laughs> then they could say, well, I didn't vote for him. Yeah, I didn't vote for him. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that would get him through a Republican primary. Uh, but uh, you're well, right. Not, no, they're going to they're gonna lose their jobs. All, they're going to lose their job anyway. They're going to lose You know job. what I mean? But the thing is, controls the Republican between, Party. It's the difference between losing their jobs, but not all their credit, credit, street cred in the Republican Party. So somewhere in the future, they can be brought back into the embrace of the party. Because for one thing, 
uh, the party where it's going right now is going to be dead. Yeah. They, they right. have to have a new party. It's, it's, if not by name, but definitely by standards and morals. All right. So we're talking about the state of the Republican Party right now in the age of MAGA. We're talking about the state of politics uh, in the uh, Trump era. And uh, that brings me to Kevin Phillips. I alluded to this earlier, who died uh, the other day at age 82 of Alzheimer's, complications of Alzheimer's. Uh, And uh, this is a forgotten name, except for political junkies like myself. Uh, But for better or for worse, I would argue worse, uh, Kevin Phillips was the tactician, the strategist uh, who foresaw the strategy that the Republicans would follow to take control of the South and as a result, take control of politics in this country. Uh, and it was, this, they call it the Southern strategy. Uh, the beneficiary of it was Richard Nixon, uh, who was elected in 1968 as president. And that blueprint has been followed by subsequent Republican candidates right up to Trump. Uh, and uh, Kevin Phillips, was the, the man who uh, wrote a book called The Emerging Republican Majority in 19, uh, I guess the book came out in 68. It came out in 69, but his articles that led up to the book uh, were already well known. Uh, Nixon always claims he, de- he wasn't influenced by Kevin Phillips because, you know, these, you know, everybody wants credit for it. You know what I'm saying, Monroe? They don't, right. Nixon didn't want to give Phillips credit. Not that, I, it's dubious credit and distinction. I'll read you some of the quotes. Uh, from Kevin Phillips' work in the 1960s, Monroe. Uh, this is right after uh, this is after LBJ got Congress to pass the Civil Rights Act, which effectively, effectively, Monroe turned uh, the the South, the white people in the South who have been lifelong Democrats into Republicans. Okay, right. you know that, and I know we lived through it. Um, uh, he goes, and in, in, here's a quote from his obituary by Sam Roberts. Good job, Sam Roberts, in the New York Times. Quote, in what many consider a cynical calculation, Phillips recommended that Republicans not dilute the Voting Rights Acts because, quote, the more Negroes who register as Democrats in the South, the sooner the Negrophobe whites will quit the Democrats and become Republicans. That's where the votes are. Without that prodding from the blacks, the whites will backslide into their old, comfortable arrangement with local Democrats. And in another quote, he said, the whole secret of politics is knowing who hates who. The whole secret of politics is knowing who hates who. Think about that, folks. When you think about all politics today. Okay, politics in the city of Chicago, politics in Israel, politics in Gaza, politics in any country in the world, politics in Ukraine and Russia. The whole secret of politics is knowing who hates who. You could say he's an evil genius, Kevin Phillips, but he understood some very fundamental fundamental aspects of human behavior and how they influenced uh, voting patterns. Monroe Anderson, your thoughts. Oh no, he he was right. It, it's well, it, it, it's um, it's it's the 
you vote for the lesser of the evil because you don't like either one of them. So you, you, you vote for the lesser of the evil or if you're just hating on uh, certain people, say blacks, <laughs> then you vote for the candidate who is um, hardest on blacks. The way George Wallace came into prominence was he was beaten um, in, in his first race by, uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but, but who was very anti-black. And so Wallace said he was never going to be out niggered again. And he wasn't. Of course, until he got shot and, and um, Jesse Jackson came and, <laughs> and said nice things about it. Then he, he had, had a whole change of heart. But that's another story. Well, that's a whole other story. And right. I urge everybody to watch uh, Spike Lee's documentary about the bombings of Birmingham. Uh, I think it's called Four Little Girls. And at the end of that movie, they um, Spike Lee interviews George Wallace, who's old. Right. Uh, and I, I don't know if you saw it, Monroe. It's, it's both. It's really hard to take on many levels. He's looking for, you know, he's looking to apologize. Uh, you know, he's looking for uh, people to say, uh, we forgive you. You know what I mean? And right. Spike Lee is not feeling it at all. The way, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. um, it's your, <laughs> you you made your choice with, with the political career you had. and um, But it's to your point that at the very end of his life, and I've noticed this with it. Kevin Phillips had this too. Near the end of his life, he kind of like apologized a bit for uh, the advice he gave. He sort of evolved a little bit, almost like he was ashamed of the advice he gave. I remember Lee Atwater, the uh, strategist for uh, Bush, who came up uh, with the um, the strategy of scaring white people, uh, the Willie Horton strategy to scare white people to vote for Bush. He he got brain cancer on his deathbed. He kind of apologized for that. You ever notice that Monroe, George Wallace, Lee Atwater? You know, they are, at the end of the life, they're contrite. Oh, forgive me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty evil I have done. Uh, the uh, woman who said that Emmett Till whistled at her had a, had a conversion in her last days. I. Yeah, I guess that's because they're Christians and they want to get right with God <laughs> when when the time comes. I don't know. Comes, man. Uh, anyway, uh, I urge everybody to check out the Kevin Phillips obituary. Sam Roberts, outstanding job in the New York Times. It goes on to talk about uh, his later ideas, uh, which were more to the left. Uh, he evolved uh, somewhat uh, it, in his later books that came out in right at the start of the Obama era after, but he was no fan of the Bush family. That is for sure. All right. I'm going to close with this Monroe. Um, I'm starting to think, I, I know this is just going to sound so peculiar, but I'm starting to think that there's a chance, a slight chance that Donald Trump will not be the Republican nominee. And, um, I, uh, What's your thoughts on that one? Now, are you do, are you certain that Donald Trump will be the nominee, uh, or you know, you... No, I've, I've been saying for 
uh, a year at least that Trump wasn't going to, probably wasn't going to be. I say it with great authority because you don't know. It's, right now, politics is so crazy. But I, 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 I have believed that um, all these, these trials and these um, indictments and, these, and, and some of these convictions to come that he's not going to he's he's not going to be the candidate. In fact, if you'll remember last week, I said that there was a sixty percent chance that it would be uh, the fat man singing. <laughs> that was crazy. No way. <laughs> no way, Tristy. No way. I said sixty percent. I'm sticking with with that. Sixty percent chance that it's going to be Christy. Uh. I, I need Sergio Mims in the world. I miss you, Sergio, to talk Monroe back to sense here. Although he probably, <laughs> Sergio, you know, he would teach some pretty wild political stances of his own. So he might be agreeing with you for all. I can't see Christy. I, I thought about this um, when yesterday when uh, Ron DeSantis, I was reading an article in the paper about Ron DeSantis on the campaign in Iowa and starting to sharpen his criticism of Trump, directly going after Trump, not holding back. Which right. he should have been doing from the get-go. Right, uh, it, it makes no sense to run for office by paying deference to the guy you're running against. Right, um, and uh, and what the, the conclusion of the writer who was covering it was like, you know, the Earth didn't cave in. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like realizing, oh, you know. But the, the problem DeSantos has is, uh, a he's stupid. And B, he's not a good candidate, and so he he's not going to win. Christie Christie is as much an asshole as Trump is, but he's smarter than Trump, and he's more personable than Trump. He 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 has a sense of humor also, uh, and so at some point, uh, the Republicans. Are going to have uh, a, a a wake up call and go. Oh, this guy is like Trump, but he can appeal to Democrats. Um, uh, it, by the way, okay, so we'll, I got two questions for you. No ducking okay. and dodging. Do you really believe that Christie's as big an asshole as Trump? Okay, almost. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Almost a big asshole. He, he, he's an asshole, that's for sure. I, I, and, and he's a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't you can't take those two things away from him. Yeah. I uh, he's smoother when he wants to be. And he's he is emulating Trump's success in that he is on any TV station that will have him. And uh, at any given time, and so he's getting all this free media. That's how Trump got to where he was. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Thanks, so enough on NBC. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. and and Christie's there, and he's 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 talking, and um, and he's going straight for Trump. He's not pussyfooting around. No. That's and, for sure. And, yeah, and he has excuses, good excuses. Bullshit excuses, but good bullshit. Excuses. Okay, so this I'm going why to why he backed Trump for the I'm going to essentially quote you to you. 
Okay. You just got finished talking about how uh, the 18 Republicans who are in districts won by Biden yeah. uh, will never win uh, by signing on uh, with the Democrats, even if they vote present by signing on that way. Right. But they will know they have done the right thing and they will preserve their legacy for future elections, et cetera. Right. There is Chris Christie going on all these uh, shows and giving rhetoric that if, that you find appealing on one level or another when he criticizes Trump is absolutely unforgivable to MAGA. And they will never vote for him for that reason. If any Republican says anything that uh, that me, that I or you find attractive, they'll remember, against them. Go. Remember, I'm, I'm of the thousand cut school. Where Trump is going to is suffering a thousand cu- Trump uh, cuts. He hasn't had them all yet, but by the time he's done, he will have them. And not all, but enough MAGA people would go, "Oh, he was lying to us." <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Uh, uh, okay, so uh, I did have this moment where I thought Trump would not be. Could possibly not be the nominee, but I am nowhere near where you are thinking right. that it could be Christie. So we'll just have to let web play out. And I could be proclaiming you as the greatest genius since political genius since Kevin Phillips, uh, if that comes to pass. All right. Final question of the day. I didn't ask it to you earlier. Uh, I meant to, so I'll close with it. No ducking, no dodging. If you were Congressman Monroe Anderson and your choice for House Speaker was Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan. Steve Scalise, who said he was uh, David Duke without the baggage, or Jim Jordan, who, when he was the wrestling coach at Ohio State University, managed to look the other way at uh, evidence of of abuse of uh, the wrestlers at Ohio State by a teen doctor. Oh, I can't see it. What? Huh? Oh, I, I see nothing. It's Sergeant Jim Sergeant Schultz Jordan uh, saw nothing. Who would you vote for? Okay, am I, am I a Republican or am I a Democrat? Uh, well, okay, you're I'll, I'll help you. Monroe Anderson. Okay, you right. tell me. If, if I'm a Republican, I vote present. And if I'm a Democrat, I vote whichever one is going to win. Because both of them are bad for the party. And unless they get rid of that stupid rule that one person can... Um, can bring you up to lose your job as a speaker, mm-hmm. then uh, you're going to be in the same position McCarthy was in. It's a no-win situation. So you would vote for whoever you thought was going to win? Yes. So you can't feel – there's no either candidate that you find less – I won't even say more attractive than the other, less uh, ugly than the other. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Both of them are bad. It doesn't matter. It doesn't either. matter. Both of them, and they're gonna, and they're not gonna have any power. Yeah. And, uh, and um, they will be agents of chaos, like McCarthy was. And um, the Piper will get paid next year. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, that's so such a, such a tough one. I don't know who I'd vote for if I had to choose. Uh, they're just such. <laughs> I, I, I mean, choose, I, choose the worst one, or you, or you, or you choose the one who, who is in, in, in fact going without without your vote wouldn't win. 
to put it. Basically, you repeat what they did with McCarthy. Yeah. You set them up to lose. Right. Right. Uh, all right, Monroe. It's been a blast talking to you as always. Uh, talking to you helps get me through the madness of life. And so I, uh, I, look, I really look forward to our conversations every Wednesday. So thank you very much, sir. Okay. We, we still got craziness going on. Yeah. We'll still be crazy I, next week. I, it, it, yes. It will still be crazy. I, that's one thing I think we can predict. It will still be crazy next week because I don't see crazy disappearing anytime soon. I also want to thank producer Chris doing an outstanding job as usual. And I think Monroe will agree with me when I say, hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash, and then throw a nickel or dime Monroe's way as well uh, when you do so, okay? (laughs) Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows. Get Benny J bonus interviews and so much more at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J Show and like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.